Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like what you hear, please press subscribe. And also, if you could leave a review and rate this podcast, that would be amazing. Um, Thank you to the many of you who have already done that. It means so much to me, and I read every comment. So please review, rate, subscribe, and uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much to Riley Versa for sponsoring today's podcast. Riley Versa is a woman-owned line of bags created with the idea that one bag can really have it all. Riley Versa's interchangeable covers, pouches, and straps allow you to be boldly versatile. Get it? Versa? Riley Versa? Versatile with your fashion choices at all times. With one seamless switch, you can transform your bag into a completely new one in seconds. Riley Versa makes an amazing baby bag, too, with two colored removable pouches, a detachable bag that allows it to be crossbody or backpack, and spill-proof interior lining. Mental note, this is a great baby gift. They also offer DIY customization and hand-painted customization. In fact, a friend of mine gave me one of these bags, and it is really awesome, and I love it, and my kids are fighting for all the little pieces that go inside. Anyway, Riley Versa is offering a special gift with purchase at checkout with code ZIBBY. So go check out um, Riley, R-I-L-E-Y-V-E-R-S-A.com, Riley Versa. Check out with code ZIBBY for your special gift. Bonnie Tsui, spelled T-S-U-I, was born in Queens, New York, and raised on Long Island. Her parents met in a swimming pool in Hong Kong, which perhaps was part of the reason why she developed a huge love of swimming and wrote the book, Why We Swim. She attended Harvard University, where she rode crew, snowboarded, and graduated magna cum laude in English and American literature and language. She wrote a book in 2009 called American Chinatown, A People's History of Five Neighborhoods, which won the 2009 to 2010 Asian Pacific American Award for Literature and was a San Francisco Chronicle bestseller. She's been a recipient of the Lowell Thomas Gold Award for Travel Journalism and the Jane Rainey Opal Young Alumni Award at Harvard University. In 2017, she was awarded the 2017 Corolla Sakel Crabe Excellence in Food Journalism Fellowship by the San Francisco chapter of Les Dames d'Escoffier, a frequent contributor to the New York Times and California Sunday Magazine. Bonnie has performed many times at Pop-Up Magazine and other live storytelling events. She helped launch F&B Voices from the Kitchen, a storytelling project from La Cochina. She currently lives and surfs in the Bay Area and works at the San Francisco Writers Grotto. Welcome, Bonnie. Thanks for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you so much, Zibby. I'm so glad to be here. So poor Bonnie, we just did like 10 minutes of this without recording it. So I'm making her do this again, like right away. So (laughs) I am sorry for the technical issues, but here we go. We'll have some of the same conversation, but I'm sure it'll be better the second time. Actually, the third time, because you were on my Instagram live show, which was amazing and made me want to have an even longer conversation with you. So here we are. Zibby, I will talk to you anytime you have me. So it's a joy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So Why We Swim is your book. Why do we swim? Why did you write this book and what's it about? This book is a cultural and scientific exploration of our human relationship with water and swimming. And You know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, survival and community and competition and flow and all these reasons why we do it and well-being. And, you know, before all of this, I would have said, you know, survival definitely is this, you know, the most vital reason for swimming. And but now I keep thinking about survival in all these different ways, you know, in these times. And, And you and I were chatting about this before, just that we are in this moment of of great uncertainty and 
and we need time to recalibrate and, and 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 be with our thoughts to understand like what it is that we're thinking and in right now getting in the water is one of the best mental health things that we can do and and you were just telling me about how you've been getting in the water for the first time this season, right? Yes. After our Instagram live, when I realized I, I, mean, I hadn't gone swimming in, I don't know, months for, I don't know. After hearing about all the benefits and reading about them in your book, all the physiological and emotional benefits of swimming. I mean, I've always loved to swim like you. I, I mean, I, I was like in the pool at age three and just like, you know, I just love it. I swim laps and all the time and I love it. I haven't co- ever competed, but it's just something that I always have had a huge affinity for, which probably draws me to your book maybe more than other people, because I just, I love it. But anyway, even in the chaos of kids and, you know, podcasting and everything else, I've been like, you know what? Getting in the pool is so, you know, it's so, it's such a luxury, A, but B, just so easy a way to deal with like any sort of stress. And it always makes me feel better. And if you have the opportunity to swim, like, you should just do it. I'll just say that. Right. It's just, it's so restorative. And I know that a lot of people these days aren't able to get into pools because most public pools are closed. But I, you know, I've been getting into San Francisco Bay and doing open water swimming. And I was just thinking about how the other day I was, I ran into a doctor friend of mine. She had never been an open water swimmer. And, you know, of course, I'm watching all these people and adapt and putting on wetsuits and figuring out, you know, inflatable buoys and things to get out there and feel safe. And, you know, we were walking out from the beach and she said, I just feel so much better now. You know, this has been a week and just, you know, just the the, the moment of like stepping into the water and, and seeing the expansiveness and experiencing the you know, the connection to water and the world, I think that was, is just so important. And we're wired to respond to that. And, and again, like the, the, the science is just, you know, resoundingly supports how we find so much benefit in immersion. And I know your, your parents met at a swimming pool and you've been swimming your whole (laughs) life and competing and you and your brother and lifeguarding and all the rest. And it's just like a huge part of your DNA and what you do. But there's a big difference between enjoying swimming and writing an entire book about why we swim. So how, <laughs> how did you end up writing this particular book? Why make it into a book? You know, I spent a lot of years, I mean, it, it was really six years ago when I started to think about swimming as maybe a book that I'd want to do. And it was because I'd written an essay for the New York Times about you know, the water, swimming being this last refuge from connectivity. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, you know, it is a place where we can not hide or escape exactly, but just sort of be unreachable for a while. And that was so healthy. That was so something that, you know, we're not used to being anymore. And we're not used to having just time with our thoughts as, as you know, this is getting in the water is a kind of enforced isolation. And unfortunately, most of us are pretty accustomed to this enforced isolation now, but it is a certain kind of restorative isolation where you like get in the water, you're totally in a different, you are in a different medium and you are able to do this, like, you know, check in with yourself and just to be, just to be like, just to be very present. And I started to think about that. And I started to think about the ways that being a swimmer over the course of my life has helped me to work through all these, you know, hard things. And then I thought, just 
I want to hear from other swimmers. I want to hear from extraordinary swimmers. I want to hear from competitive swimmers. I want to hear survival stories. And so this book is, you know, the frame of the book is a personal one because of my family story, you know, my parents meeting in a swimming pool in Hong Kong and just having a lifelong relationship with the water and with swimming. But it is filled with stories of of other people because I am a journalist, you know, and I'm drawn to other people telling me about themselves. And I wanted to weave all of that into like a story that felt really expansive, that had all of these, you know, had something for everyone, had something for someone who is a swimmer, you know, like like you and me, who, you know, we instinctively know that it does something for us that's really valuable. And then for people who don't call themselves swimmers, that who say, I'm so afraid of the water and I have always wanted to be a better swimmer, but I'm just so afraid of it. And I want to know why and why is that? And to kind of learn more about our human relationship with it. And so I wanted to do that with this book. You do a great job of talking about the emotional benefits, psychological benefits of swimming. And I just, I know I just read you this quote when we didn't record it, but I'm reading it again because (laughs) I just love it. Even in grief, the breakup of my parents, a miscarriage, the death of a friend, I have marked time by water. I won't linger on these sorrows because I don't mean to say that swimming cured me of them, but I will say that swimming in all of its permutations, in a pool, in a lake, paddling a surfboard out to sea, has always helped me come out on the other side of a difficult time. I'll keep reading now. The tides keep changing twice a day. Water is in a forever state of flux. To swim is to witness metamorphosis in our environment, in ourselves. To swim is to accept all the myriad conditions of life. That is so awesome. (laughs) It's just as awesome a second time in 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's really beautiful how you, and you know, you talk in the book about how these difficult moments in your life were so, you know, not mitigated, but, you know, made a little bit better by how you handled them in this way. And that's a powerful tool. Right. It is. And it's, I mean, you know, we go back to survival. It's a survival tool. It's a a survival tool for our times, you know, like, you know, maybe it was back in the day, it was because we were, you know, diving for shellfish or, you know, seeking new lands. But now it's, it's something that feels equally vital. And it's a way of coping with just a lot of the things that we're dealing with right now. And then tell me a little more about Kim Chambers and how her water-based therapy helped her recover. So Kim Chambers is a world record holding marathon swimmer, for those of you who don't know. And she only really started swimming as rehab after almost losing a leg to amputation after an accident. And turns out she's freakishly gifted at long distance swimming. And she started to swim in San Francisco Bay. And as part of her rehab, and she noticed that her leg, she got more feeling in it. You know, she had more, it seems like maybe the nerves were regenerating and she felt like she had this rebirth, like a second chance at life, really, to be swimming. And she has since become, you know, one of the the best marathon swimmers in the world. And she has held, you know, she's she was the first woman to swim from the Farallons to San Francisco. And, you know, in the in the notorious red triangle of sharks. <laughs> but she is a really extraordinary person and swimmer. And her story anchors the section of the book that is called well-being. You know, so it's about how we have always thought about water as a cure-all for all kinds of crazy ailments. And that it turns out there's like some pretty good basis for that. <laughs> <laughs> It's always good to hear. There's a reason why. 
That's awesome. One more thing about swimming, which you talk about, is how it kind of relates to mortality and your view of that. You write, this is another quote, swimming in open water is one small way of confronting that, of getting closer to the fire, of wanting to stay alive, of warding off death without the terror of having to do it for real. Maybe it's a kind of dress rehearsal. Talk to me more about that. I have always been really afraid of death from when I was a kid. I think I just remember my you know, going to a, to visit my, my grandfather's grave and just feeling that things were beyond my control and understanding. And I have always had this, you know, this sense of mortality as something that I wanted to be able to grasp and understand in some way that, you know, it's beyond our control and yet we, and we all face it. And yet how do you live every day knowing that? And swimming is weirdly enough, and I've done a lot of research and reading into this, that because of the porousness between states, you know, swimming and drowning, life and death, that it's it's an exercise. It's like a practice. It's a meditation in being smaller and than the world and being okay with that, you know, and, and understanding that we're always, that life is fragile, but it's still really beautiful. And to be attuned to the sensory elements and enjoyment of every moment. And, and it allows you to be to be in the present moment and to like acknowledge where you are right now. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. And how did you get into journalism to begin with? Like, did you always know you love to write or how did that start? I did always know that I like to write, but my dad was an artist, is an artist. And and when I was growing up, I always thought I was going to be an artist. And he actually said to me, oh, you shouldn't be an artist. It's very hard to be a painter. And you should just be a plastic surgeon because then you can still play with people's faces. <laughs> um, but then you can make money doing it. <laughs> and I said, I don't think that's really uh, what I'm going for here. But then I became the next best thing to be an artist, which is uh, a freelance writer. <laughs> And so stable, so stable, right? But I, you know, I loved storytelling. I loved drawing when I was a kid. And I also loved writing. I loved just the the, the combination of those two things. And and then once I got to college, I realized, you know, I, I wanted to, I discovered that nonfiction could be just as creative and innovative as fiction. And I wanted to kind of pull in those elements of telling a true story, but being able to tell it in such a way that there be characters, there's a narrative to it, there's like a tension you can hold. And because the stories are real, they're, you know, just as meaningful as a story that you spin out of your head. But it's all about, you know, how we tell that story. And because, you know, we humans love to hear stories. And I feel like the story of us and the story of swimming and story about how we pass on, you know, these skills over time, it's just what we are as human beings and, and, and we pass on meaning that way. And so I've always been really gripped by that power. Now, do your kids like to swim? They love swimming. They love swimming. And it's one of, you know, my greatest accomplishments that they do, I think, basically just because they've watched me over. I mean, when they draw a picture of me, you know, they're seven to nine. And if they draw a picture of me, they draw me on a surfboard or swimming in the ocean. And so I would say that they know me pretty well and they have absorbed the love of the water from me. And that is really something that I I take a lot of pride in. That's great. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? Oh, gosh, that is a great question. And especially now, (laughs) I would say, I think with especially with books, you know, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm often mostly writing magazine and newspaper stories, but I've written a few books. And this 
book, Why We Swim, was such a joy to write every step of the way. And it was because I knew that over you know, the years I was thinking about it, that it was a book that I had to write no matter what. And I would say that if you find yourself thinking about something so much, like in your downtime and your weekends and your vacation, and you just have a story that you need to tell that you can't stop thinking about, then you know that you have to write it. And so do it. What is coming next? Are you still writing? Are you working on another book or just more shorter pieces? Or what are you doing now? I am actually writing another book called The Fallow Time Handbook. And this was also based on an essay I wrote for the New York Times last summer. And it is about what I call fallow time, which is active rest, right? So it's like the sort of restorative time that you need to you know, do the work that you do well. And oftentimes that's creative work that may not look like work or what we kind of recognize as work. Now, the weird thing about that is that since I have signed the contract to write this book, everyone has been ushered into a forced fallow time. And it's like the greatest, you know, natural experiment in fallow that I could possibly imagine. And so it's complicated things in really interesting ways. And so I'm thinking about it and talking to people and interviewing folks. And that's what I'm doing. It's been a little bit, it's been challenging, as you know, to concentrate on anything for any period of time. I keep thinking about it as this, like the, I think we talked about this last time, like the Zeno's paradox of like divided, subdivided, micro-divided time. And and how can you do anything when you hold these slivers of time in your hand, like of any, of any meaningful, you know, purposeful, you know, how do you create, how do you make things? And it's just, it, right now I'm trying to manage, I wrote four sentences yesterday and I thought, that is a great day for me right now. And to be, you know, content with that and to understand that this is like a really strange time and we're all working through it. And as a writer, I think there's a lot to notice and observe and, and, you know, document right now. But I also feel like there's plenty of people doing that. And right now I just, I'm just listening, I'm watching, I'm observing and, and hoping that, you know, on on the other side of this, that I can make meaning from it. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for (laughs) repeating yourself on because of my mistake (laughs) and for coming on again and for being on Instagram live and for this, this great book and all your time and research and how you turned it into a story, but also a handbook. And it's really awesome. It's great. And I, now I think of you whenever I swim. So there we have it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sibby. I also want to give a shout out to my mom because my mom was the one who put us together in the first place. She said, that's right. That's right. I forgot that. She saw you on TV and she said, she called me up and she doesn't do this. And she called me up and she said, Bonnie, I just saw this wonderful woman on TV. Her name is Zibby Owens. Got that? Zibby Owens. You have a new book. You should talk to her. I said, okay, mom, I'll I'll, uh, contact her. And thanks, mom. I'm just shouting out to you. Thanks, um, mom. (laughs) By the way, she was not the only mom. I had so many moms, grandmothers, friends say, my friend has a book. My daughter has a book. My son has a book. So don't worry. I got a lot of And that you are like the shining beacon, you know, like before them, like we, you need to talk to Zibby. So thank you for having me. It's, it's really a joy to talk to you. You too. (laughs) Have a great day. You too. Bye, Bye. Bonnie. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Spread the word. 
Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much to Riley Versa for sponsoring today's episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You can always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 